This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily on Draft every Monday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. We are two weeks away from breaking down a week one, hopefully win, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right here on Purple Daily. This is Purple Daily on Draft. Tyler Fornis, Miles Gorham. Uh, we're here to break things down from an NFL draft perspective as we do every uh, every Monday right here on Purple Daily where we just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. Thank you uh, for all the kind words to Miles, who has now entered the show. Miles, you've uh, I, from what I've seen, not too much negative feedback. Forno and I like to get the negative feedback. So far, it's been positive feedback for Miles. So it'll come. It'll come. Yes, it'll come both ways. It's like a boomerang. Karma. Karma. Just don't tell them that you you were a fry cook when you were twenty years old. It'll, it'll come back. <laughs> and then you realize, yeah. wait, I was the fry cook at twenty years old. So joke right. is on you, my friend. I get it. Um, well, boys, let's uh, let's kind of get right down to the meat and potatoes here. We got a nice little show packed. We'll uh, we'll start with these preseason football takeaways. We'll take a look at next year's draft from a positional standpoint. And then we have freaks list. We've been teasing out college football prospects for the last few weeks. We're finally going to get into that. So we got a loaded show here. So let's get into it. Uh, Let's start, though, from last Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks. Vikings have their second preseason football game of the year. Uh, Let's start here, I think, with Lewis Seen. That's been kind of the topic here. The first round pick uh, from the Vikings last year who suffered the gruesome leg injury. He gets another start. He plays a handful of snaps. Some good. There was some bad. Uh, Forno, I want to start with you because you also did some breakdowns. I know after his first game on VikingsWire.com, what did you like and maybe what did you not like from Lewis Seen's uh, game against the Seahawks in, in, on Saturday? So uh, we'll, we'll start with the, the Seahawks from last Thursday. One of his biggest issues was he was making the right reads, but he was tackling way too high. And when you're tackling up here in, in the chest area, that can easily be broken, especially by guys with any kind of strength. So when you're, when you tackle up high, like he got Jackson Smith and Jigba, but Jigba tried to deck and he was able to grab the Jersey and kind of throw him down. That's a risky style tackle. You want to be able to have better form. You want to attack lower. You want to attack like between the knees and like, a, a like below the, like your chest. So like the torso and the thighs, because those areas are gonna be a lot harder to wiggle out and you have a lot more leverage in those instances and seeing kind of overcorrected this past week, he started going too low. I'd rather guys go too low than go too high because all it takes is literally, if you just like hit the shoe, you can trip a guy up. And then that's the end of the play. Unfortunately, he went too low and Ty J Spears Spears elevated over the top of him and hurtled him and made him just look atrocious on that touchdown. But you can, you can adjust with that. I like people are complaining. Oh, he's a bust. He's playing into the third and fourth quarter. 
good. Give him reps. Like he played two defensive snaps last year. He's still trying to get back into the flow of normal football, considering he snapped his leg in half in England last year. Like that's not a normal injury. One of my writers for Vikings wire, Kevin Fielder snapped his leg, like a very similar injury, got it in completely different circumstances, but he saw that scene was doing sprints after four months. And he's like, what in the world is going on? Because it's such a devastating type injury to your body. Well, scene is never going to be the guy that you're just going to want floating out over the top. He's got the speed for it, but he just doesn't have those instincts and that ability. Like, when you think of a deep safety, you think of an Earl Thomas. That's not his skill set. His skill set is going to be attacking downhill, and it's going to be a lot of what Harrison Smith is great at. And if Lewis Seen can kind of hone those instincts just a little better and figure that portion out, you're looking at a player who could just be a devastating weapon in the box for the next five to ten years. But it's it's going to take some time, and it's going to have some warts. And we're seeing that right now. But it's better right now than week one. So I'm I'm happy with with the growth that we're seeing. We just need to keep seeing it. I like that he actually is playing some snaps. You're to your point, Forno. I mean, it's one thing when people say you see the first round pick or you just see most of the guys in general playing meaningful preseason snaps that, hey, those players probably won't be making much of a significant impact uh, on, on the actual 53-man roster. But from Lewis Seen's standpoint, yeah, I mean, he had a compound leg fracture. He barely played last year. He only really played special teams. So the many, as many reps as he can get in the preseason are probably going to be a good thing for his development, regardless if they figure out he's a hit or if he's indeed a bust. Uh, Miles, what did you like or maybe not like from Lewis Seen in the latest preseason game? Yeah, I think you both got, brought up great points. I, I agree with with just about everything. I think the tackling aspect of it is something he still hasn't. He's instinctually like explosive in his tackles. So I think to your point, Forno, is it, it's all about just the technique. I think you could you could fix technique. Um, and I think the, the I love the part about the Harrison Smith comparison in terms of how he should be used. Um, and if I was Lewis Seen, I'd just be in his back pocket like constantly, just like a shadow. Just because I think this could be Harrison Smith's last year in purple. Um, 100%, not 100% sure about that, but I think if Lewis Seen wanted to learn from someone like him and, and kind of master that craft a little bit more, that'd be the perfect guy to, to learn from in that role in, within this defense especially. And so I think um, getting that whole game to play and just kind of get more of the feel for the game was super important for, I think, Lewis Seen. And I don't really care. I, I treat him more like a rookie this year than, than you'd want a second-year player to be. But that's just kind of where he is because of the compound fracture last year. And he kind of just didn't seem like he was up to speed as much as you would like to come out of training camp last year as well. And so that stuff happens. Some guys aren't quite as ready as they need, as you expect them to be. And so I think with, with seeing um, just kind of using this as like a rookie year to get as many reps as he can during the offseason. And so that when he, if he does get in the games during the regular season, you have a little bit more confidence in that he's got a little bit more of a true flow of the game rather than just uh, coming in kind of cold as if, if he was only playing partial part of the games. So basically will he have to most likely wait for an injury to probably make significant playing time, like in, in the regular season at this point, he, he clearly looks like he's gonna be like third or fourth on the depth chart, depending on how you really want to view Josh Metellus too. Cause Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum look to be your starting safeties with Metellus mixing in there um, in, in a bunch of different packages, but is an injury probably going to be the best chance for him to get like legitimate playing time, which can happen in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. But it seems like he's still a long ways away from from getting there. No, I, I would. I, yeah, he's going to get regular playing time right away. But I, I think he, we need to curb our expectations for what regular playing time is going to be. I think mm-hmm. it, seeing like a thirty percent snapshot right off the bat. Like I don't necessarily think being a starter in the secondary in this defense is going to mean much. 
it's going to mean that you're going to get probably like the early down stuff, but there's going to be so many sub packages with this team and how they kind of go about things. I'm not going to be worried at all. If the scene isn't a starter X, Y, or Z, because he's going to get playing time and that's going to end up helping him in this defense. It's like when you look at all those Patriots defenses, guys subbed in all the time and he's of that same tree. He's probably going to end up doing the same thing. Miles. So I'm not sure if I agree with that though. Okay. Well, we can, we can talk about it. (laughs) Well, we can also, it's on training camp. They're rotating guys constantly in and out and they're using different packages with the ones, different packages with the twos. Yeah. They're doing a lot of different things with their personnel grouping. So that's, that leads me to believe that is going to end up being true. So Miles, what word would you play him differently or how do you see him getting on the field more than what Forno said? I mean, I think the only real position that he could really get on the field more of is with like that Josh Metellus, like star role in that like sub package role, just because unless they do play a lot of dime, which is possible to, to Forno's point, if he's that fourth or, or fifth or fourth safety in the dime packages, then that, that changes things a little bit. Um, but I, I guess I, d- I just don't know if that's the case. Um, I guess we'll see as, as time goes on, but you would hope that he could earn that opportunity. But I think that Mattelis role, even though I'm not, I'm not sure I think Cena is ready for that role. I think it's the one that has more interchangeable off on, on the field type of ability. Whereas Harrison Smith's not coming off the field. And I don't expect Cam Bynum, who's probably their best true, like outside of Harrison Smith, he's probably their best true, like free safety at the up top. Um, compared to like Seen or or even Metella. So I have a hard time seeing Bynum losing snaps to Seen early in the season. Now, if guys start to struggle, if Seen maybe continues to progress as the offseason and into the early part of the season goes on, that might be an opportunity for him to, to get some more snaps. But I just don't know if he's quite ready to see like consistent snaps. Now, I think it'd be good to get him involved in the game and the flow of the game, but I'm just not sure I expect it to happen right away. Early in the season, I should say. I like it. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he's used, whether that's an early down package, whether it's big dime or, or however it is. Uh, I know Judd Zolgad has been looking at a bunch of different those formations too, so be on the lookout for uh, more camp notes from Judd as the uh, Vikings continue on their training camp uh, exercise here. Uh, let's go to the offensive side. Let's go to the rookie quarterback, Jaron Hall. So Hall gets, again, the second half, not a ton of snaps. I know Forno um, has been a big Jaron Hall fan. He was a big fan of the pick when they made it. Uh, back in back in May here, but Forno, what did you what did you take away from Jaron Hall's second uh, appearance, basically in game action for the Vikings? Fun fact: I just posted a an all twenty two article fifteen minutes ago, breaking down all twelve of his dropbacks, and you have to contextualize everything. And I'll start here. Look, I am the biggest fan of Jaron Hall. I don't think there's anybody who's a bigger fan of Jaron Hall than me. But I still remember he's a fifth round pick. If it doesn't work, it shouldn't be a surprise. And it should be a little bit of a surprise if it does, but he has all the tools to be able to get there. Now, when you look at what he's doing for the Vikings in these preseason games, one of the biggest things is he's running a super vanilla offense. They're not really game planning and they're running basic core concepts. Everybody in the world knows that you do Hell, The Tennessee Titans spammed outside zone. What? 30 times. Yes. On Saturday night. Like that's a basic concept. You're not reinventing the wheel. Everybody knows you're going to run it. So when you look at those elements and the fact he's playing with mostly third teamers and sometimes second teamers, you have to contextualize the performances. What is he doing based on the confines of each individual play? It's not looking at the stat sheet. Yeah. He was four of seven for what, like 50 yards, but he had 12 dropbacks. He didn't make any bad decisions. 
the only one that was poor was he took a sack when he was in the pocket for five seconds. That internal clock's got to go off. What I did see was right after that, the next drive where they had that touchdown drive, after three seconds, back-to-back plays, he's bailing the pocket to and then running the ball because there's nothing out there. So that shows me development and growth. He's making uh, throws in the bucket where he had uh, his first drop back was a bootleg and he ends up layering a ball beautifully to Thayer Thomas on a sail route. The safety just has some insane closing speed, makes the play, breaks it up. But you want him to be able to drive the ball a little better, but he can't because there's a defensive lineman charging at him. So instead of uh, trying to take it upfield, he's staying put and he just drops it in the perfect spot. Not a catch, but two of his incompletions were drops. That's not going to help you on the stat sheet. It's not going to help people's perception of you, even though it's not your fault. So I gave his performance a B, all things considered, and I was really impressed on some of the little things week to week and even growth during the game because that five-second sack, you saw an immediate fix like within the same quarter. That's stuff you want to see from a young player. Yeah, I would like to see him get a start for sure. Maybe they wrap up this preseason game. I know they brought in Jordan uh, Tamu uh, from the XFL. So, like, are they bringing him in potentially too? Because Nick Mullins is throwing a lot of bunch of passes, and we all kind of know that Nick Mullins is the backup to Kirk. So those one and two spots are solidified. So are they bringing Tiamu to potentially, you know, make life easier for Jaron Hall or to get both those guys a little bit more reps? That part's going to be really interesting too. Uh, Miles, you obviously watched a lot of the preseason game on Saturday too, and we haven't really gotten your mm-hmm. thoughts on Jaron Hall uh, with you only being the second episode here on Purple Daily on draft. So what what were your thoughts when they made the pick? And I guess what have you seen from him in limited action with the Vikings so far? Yeah, I, I, I so I was down at the Senior Bowl with Tyler actually too, and we had, we had talked with Jaron Hall. I wasn't as impressed with him in the senior bowl. But I think when you go back to the film and kind of dive further into that, you could see exactly why and all the traits that people fell in love with, like someone like Porno specifically, like the guy's really good at maneuvering the pocket. And I think his escapability and ability to throw in the run is, is really good. And so I was really impressed with some of those things from him coming out. And I felt that he had a really good command of and control of, of himself. Not every quarterback kind of plays under control. And I think um, Jaron does, did, did a good job of that coming out of BYU. Um, now he's a little bit of an older prospect. So I think you would hope that some of those things would naturally just progress with him. Um, but at the same time, he was a fifth round pick. So I was excited that the Vikings took a shot at a guy that had some, um, has a little bit of upside, but also has some of the ability, um, coming out of college that you look for in like a potential backup quarterback and kind of like that Sam Howell, like vibe to me in that. I think there's that like long-term backup, maybe long-term like bridge, bridge starter. And anything more than that is literally like the biggest win you could ask for. And um, so I was excited about that. And I thought, you know, um, I was excited about the Kellen Mond pick a few years back, but I think Jaron Hall fits a little bit more of what that true, of what I truly thought Kellen Mond could be. Um, And so I I guess I was probably a little bit more excited about that. And then uh, I I wanted Dorian Thompson Robinson, if I'm going to be honest, DTR was my guy coming out of the draft, but I I understand that it was, um, he went like, I think a pick before the Vikings traded up. Um, but I think Hall in itself was was a good pick for them to take on, on day three and and see what you can get out of him and if you can develop. And I think we haven't really gotten a chance to see how Kevin O'Connell and the team and the offensive staff um, develop a young quarterback behind Kirk Cousins. And I think they want they've wanted wanting to been doing that the last couple of years. And I think Hall gives them that opportunity. And so I like that. And then fast forward to Sat or rewind to Saturday. Um, I liked what I saw. He definitely looked better than week one. 
he looks a little bit more, a little less jittery, a little bit more like confident in what he was doing. And I think that's all you can ask for from a fifth round rookie coming in, playing with um, a backup, backup offensive lineman, backup receivers and those things. And I think, um, I think he played well, um, all things considered. I think Forno laid out a lot of great points of what he did and didn't do. Um, I think you just want to continue to see how he progresses and, and moves. And I, I, I still really love his feel for the pocket. Besides the one play that took a sack, like that's going to happen to any young quarterback. But I do really enjoy his ability to uh, escape and feel pressure. Um, and I think as he just grows and gets more reps, I think he's just going to get a better feel for that. Um, but overall, I thought he played. I thought he played well. I think some of his receivers let him down a little bit, and obviously the offensive line in front of him just got destroyed by guys like Tahir Tart. Um, so <laughs> there wasn't a lot I think he could do in some of those situations. But um, I did. I did like. Um, some of the progress we saw um, from from preseason week one to preseason week two. And um, I didn't see the practices, but um, sounds like he didn't get as many reps. So you'd like to see moving forward with him and Jordan Tayamo to kind of compete to get as many reps in that third preseason game as possible. Because I'd assume the the starting offense is ramping up. So we might he might not get as many opportunities during that inner squad scrimmage this week. So that that game is going to be really important for him. Do you guys want to see him start that final game then? I mean, Forno, you've seen him come in for yeah. Nick Mullins the last few games. you want to see him actually start for, for maybe like more than a half or more than 50% of the game coming up? I wanted to see him start on Saturday because I, I really didn't think there was anything necessarily to gain with Nick Mullins. At this point, Mullins is who he is. He's a top five backup quarterback in the league. And I classify backup as a guy who it wasn't drafted to be the future quarterback. He is a backup. He is a Chase Daniel. Like he's a top five traditional backup quarterback in the NFL. He doesn't need these reps. A guy like Hall needs the reps. And I thought they should have given him the first half to work with the better players to really see how you can continue to grow. And I think he'll end up having the start on Saturday or maybe Mullins plays like one or two series. But in reality, he doesn't need to. Hall needs the reps. Scene needs the reps. That's why I think these guys should be playing more. But it also could be getting Mullins just with more of a comfortability factor. It could just be something Kevin O'Connell wanted. Like Malik Willis got all the reps on, except for two, because they did a, a weird wildcat gimmick for two yeah. plays. But that, that was more of a Will Levis uh, infamous tweak than anything. But I think he should try and get Hall as many reps as you can so you can get a better picture of how he's growing and how he's progressing and what he could potentially be. All right, so we've seen two preseason games so far from the Vikings, um, and we're and even just looking ahead uh, to the to the positions afterwards. So the Vikings, when they're on the clock, whether that's pick twenty three, hell, not if that's pick thirty two, because they actually won the GD Super Bowl this year for the first time before we died. Uh, wherever it is, what position group do you think is starting to creep up here? As as we've gotten some preseason games and some training camp under our belt, Forno, what's the number one position group you would be looking to add to? Um, when the Vikings are on the clock next year uh, in the 2024 NFL draft? Oh, for the draft. Interesting. I'd probably be looking at edge rusher as my focus because it's completely uncertain. In theory, your top three edge rushers are all gone off the team next year unless you extend them. Daniel Hunter's contract expires. Marcus Davenport's expires. DJ Wanham's expires. Patrick Jones entering the final year of his deal. That's a lot of edge talent and there is a good amount of edge talent here coming up and the Vikings haven't taken one in the first round since 2006 and 2005 was Erasmus James complete bust. 2006 Kenechi Udeza had the un- unfortunate happenstance of uh, getting cancer 
and that kind of derailed his career. And it, now he's coaching college football, which is wonderful. But I and the just the amount of success they've had with these mid round picks, I think, really tainted the last regime because they kept getting Brian Robinson fourth round, Ray Edwards fourth round, Everson Griffin fourth round, Daniil Hunter third round. They kept getting talented guys without spending a lot of draft capital. Now that you have a new regime and you have this high priority on these difference makers at premium positions, maybe that's the route you go. And with the uncertainty at the position, that's where I'm looking at first. Edge is important because I think you can never have as you can always have as many edge rushers as possible. Daniil Hunter is potentially going to be going to be walking. Obviously, Demarcus Davenport will wait and see. You could franchise tag him. You could sign him to a long term deal. There's there's definitely options there. But then after those two, I mean, it is. Good luck trying to find pass rushers if both those guys end up walking. That's a big hole to fill. Uh, Miles, what position group is looking thin in your mind here as we have seen a couple preseason games and after some training camp practices? uh, What position group do you think the Vikings should try to address in the draft next year? Well, I mean, quarterback is the obvious one for me, but I won't go there because I think we've had those conversations so many times. Um, But uh, I think kind of to piggyback of of what Forno is saying from the, the like defensive line, I think the interior defensive line, is something I'd be looking at as well. I just think they have not addressed the trenches in any capacity over the last handful of years. And basically since like the Linville Joseph, Tom Johnson years, it's kind of been on a steady decline since. And I think, you know, they have Harrison Phillips now who's been solid. I think he's a solid player. Dean Lowry, who's probably like a below average starter. And then Kyrus Tonga, who they picked up off the street last year um, after like what week one or two. And so not, not to say begrudge anything toward him. I think he played well last year, but, they just don't have like an interior guy that can really wreck a deep, an offensive line. Like, and they haven't had that in a long time. And I think that's a really important piece to, to a, a defense like Brian Flores is and uh, previously Mike Zimmers. And so I think that should be an area they address, whether it's getting a really big nose tackle to really come in and punish um, offensive lines or focus on that defensive end who can give you a little bit more pass rush juice from the inside. So I, I think those are probably the, the spots for me that I think um, they haven't spent much draft capital on either. Um, like edge rusher, I don't think the la- I think the last time they spent any significant draft capital on that position was um, I honestly don't remember now that I'm thinking about it. Like uh, I don't think they spent probably Jared Allen trading a first and two thirds. Yeah, and he's yeah. a defensive end in a in a four three right, and that's like that's mm-hmm. like a Daniel Hunter outside linebacker edge rusher position in this defense right. And so to your point, like. They've spent it on like Linval Joseph and, and they spent it on um um whom I think who's the the big dude they got from the Ravens? Uh how am I going thank you, Michael Pierce. Yep. Um like they spent money on those guys, but they've never really invested in the draft. And so they, I think they, it could be a Shree Floyd in 2013 in round thank one. You. That was the that last was the guy one. that I was that was the one I'm thinking of. Shree Floyd's like the last one in a decade where they've actually spent any sort of resource in a draft that isn't a third, fourth, fifth round pick. And so um I think they should look there. Yeah, when you look like back in the early 2000s, right? So they draft Kevin Williams, they sign Big Pat mm-hmm. Williams, they trade for Jared Allen. Um, they have Ray Edwards, who's like a solid complimentary piece. They drafted Brian Robinson, who was turned into a really solid complimentary piece to all in that defensive line. So like they use all three assets, basically, of roster management, right? To try to build up a really important position. And for a long time, uh, the defensive line for the Vikings, yeah, you can make a case from... Kevin Williams all the way through Brian Robinson and into Daniel Hunter like they had a very good defensive line but the last three years it's been really leaky and you're seeing that in the preseason games even that you know teams are just running all over the place against the Vikings which has been a common theme uh, basically since 2020 
And that's definitely something they got to fill up. Uh, it's not a sexy thing to fill up your run defense and load up on nose tackles and defensive tackles, but you also just can't be a sieve letting everyone run through your defense. So I'm, I'm curious too. I think defensive edge and line in general is probably going to be one a or one B that they're going into next year. And if that's of course, if they don't have their quarterback of the future. Uh, but I think just from a position group, they have to figure that part out. Cause you just need as many, many guys as possible there. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Let's get into this freaks list here. So Bruce Feldman of The Athletic. Tyler's uh, combed through some great freaks lists. We've talked about this before on Purple Daily on draft. Um, we haven't really delivered too much college football prospects to a degree. We've talked about some quarterbacks. But Tyler has pulled a few names here on the freaks list. And if I say freaks list, I have to football. hit the football sounder. Uh, may as well. So Forno, fire away. Give us uh, let's let's start with a few names here on this freaks list that are really intriguing for you this college football season that could be available uh, to the Vikings in the draft next year. Well, the first guy I'm going to mention is number one on the list, and he's not going to be available in the draft until 2026 because he's an incoming true freshman. His name is Nichols Harbor. He is a wide receiver, tight end, defensive end hybrid, and they're going to use him more as a versatile offensive weapon. This dude uh, was described by. Um, one of his coaches of South Carolina, Jody Wright. Um, he's, I would say, a taller Julio Jones with a Derrick Henry type build. And this dude is absolutely nuts. A 10 to 200 meter dash, 664 in the 60 hurdles, and a 2063 in the 200. Like he's hitting almost 23 miles per hour at like near 250 pounds. This dude is just an absolute monster. And I don't know how South Carolina's can necessarily utilize him in, in the passing game, especially with what Spencer Rattler is good at and how inconsistent he is. But the, just the athleticism of this dude is absolutely bonkers. Number two is Marvin Harrison jr. Some people are calling him the best wide receiver prospect ever. And it's especially when you have the pedigree, it's really hard to kind of like when you watch him, it's, it's hard to say no he is so technically sound at nearly six, four two ten, but he's also athletically freaky benches three eighty. Um, he did 20 reps of two twenty five, which is like that combine measurement. Like he squats 500. He, he broad jumps near 11 feet. It has a short shot under four seconds, like freaky stuff. And two other guys I'll mention before we kind of dive into some more stuff, Michigan defensive tackle, Chris Jenkins. Now Michigan has a tradition of just having the freakiest athletes at, on the defensive line. You look at Aiden Hutchinson. You look at Mozzie Smith last year with 330 pounds. So it had a faster three cone than Aiden Hutchinson. The next one is Chris Jenkins. His dad started in the Super Bowl for the Carolina Panthers against the New England Patriots back in 2003. He played in the NFL for a long time. He did 32 reps at 225, 760 pounds on the combo twist. And Mozzie was doing 800 pounds on that. And, but he also had an extra 30 pounds, which makes a little bit of a difference. Like he, he's running a seven, one, six, three cone, a four, three, three shuttle. 
broad jumping nearly 10 feet and vertical 34 at 307 pounds. Just absolutely bonkers stuff from a defensive lineman. And you don't see that kind of stuff unless you go to Michigan. Last guy I want to mention is a personal favorite of mine prospect wise. If you you haven't watched Western Kentucky football, I highly recommend you do so. You've heard me talk about Austin Reed, his receiver, Malachi Corley. It's not insane to think he could be the next Debo Samuel type player in the NFL because that's, that's almost how he gets used. Uh, He had 101 catches for 1,295 yards last year. 975 of those were after the catch and he had 40 missed tackles. He's like 5'11", 220, and his, his like biceps look like Hulk Hogan's. Just an absolutely nuts receiver. He's He hits 23 on the GPS, 4-4-3-40, official time, 408 short shuttle, and he benches over 350. Like he's He kind of looks like a muscle hamster, but he's got ability to attack down the field. Just with that Western Kentucky air raid, they do a lot of those screens, a lot of those short routes, option routes, to be able to really attack defenses and gain yards after the catch. He's a guy that could end up maybe climbing into round one. I would probably think he's a solid day two pick, but the Vikings are going to need to invest in receiver again. Do they want to do it in the first hundred picks? I don't necessarily know that they have to, but Corley would be a fantastic like player to pair with Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson with his skill set. Let's uh, let's dive more into Chris Jenkins here. So Jordan Reed of uh, ESPN back in July did a 2024 mock, and he actually had Chris Jenkins going 22nd overall in his 2024 mock. Uh, that would be to the Los Angeles Chargers, of course. And the Vikings, who have typically picked between, it seems like always, about 23 and 17 for the most part, because they're usually a fringe wildcard team, or they're one of the last playoff teams out. Um are you seeing are you projecting you think Tyler that Chris Jenkins is someone that could be even going higher here? Do you think he's going to be a first round pick in next year's draft? Jenkins is a little bit of a wild card cuz he he doesn't have a lot of production yet and a lot of these way too early mocks you're looking at projection. You're looking at hey, what do we think this guy is going to be this year and then try to project off of that. Uh I, I know everybody makes fun of Todd McShay and it's well deserved for putting Mitch Leidner in the first round of his way too early mock uh, because Mitch Leidner was never good. And Chris Jenkins just hasn't had opportunity to really be able to be good consistently, but he's flashed. And the athleticism that we talked about is just absolutely bonkers. So if he puts everything together this year, and one of the things with that Michigan defensive line is they keep churning guys out consistently. David Ojabo, Aiden Hutchinson, Mozzie Smith, um, this last year, Mike Morris, like they're getting guys to the NFL and they're doing it at a pretty steady pace. And Jenkins, I think is the next guy wouldn't shock me if he ends up sneaking into the top 10, but I will say this is a very heavy draft as far as quarterback and wide receiver and offensive tackle. So top 10 might be pushing it. I would project him comfortably in the first round right now. And if he performs well, he could be a player that ends up being a steal in like the teens just because of what other premium positions there are out there. Miles, are you looking at anyone in college football that you're really excited to watch this year? Yeah. I mean, I'm always a receiver guy. That's just, that's always been my, my flavor, but in terms of like the Vikings positions, uh, obviously we, we kind of touched on some of those positions, but I think some of the freaks list, I was, I was doing the same thing as looking into the freaks list a little bit. Cause I always read it from Bruce Feldman every year, you know, but guys like Jordan Birch, um, who just transferred from South Carolina over to Oregon, He's a like D like edge rusher D lineman D end. Um, kind of excited to see how he can make that transition to the Pac-12. 
in Oregon, that fast, fast paced offense and, and how, how quickly they move and, and obviously the swag. Um, but then Chris, Chris Jenkins is always an, an obvious one, for, I think for everybody, just based off of, he was recently out, like social media came out of with like the information about him and his dad. And so I think that's really cool. And um, Texas Tech might have another guy, an edge rusher. His name's Miles Cole, his namesake, you know, he spells his name the right way, the way I do with Miles. So I had to call him out um, from Texas Tech, but he's an edge rusher. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see how he can do um, with uh, Tyree Wilson, who recently was drafted by the, the Vegas Raiders, um, and see if he can kind of take over um, that that defense and and see if he can and step up and become a guy for them. But he's a he's an uber athletic guy. And then running back is like a sneaky one that I think with Alexander Madison, we know he's kind of this is his first year as a full time starter. Um, he's on like a pretty cheap two year deal, and then the guys behind him are kind of unknowns. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if thing, the way things shake, shook out, if the Vikings were looking to add like a mid-round running back next year. And so, I mean, there, there are a couple of guys that might be at back event, first round, early second round picks like Braylon, Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. You got Trey Benson from Florida State, um, Raheem Sanders from Arkansas, and like William Shipley from Clemson. So there's a lot of those types of guys coming out who are either just like uber explosive or they're like the more compound, like bigger backs. And so... I think, you know, whatever flavor the Vikings are looking for, um, they should have a bevy of options at running back as well. So not that I'm not a proponent of spending high picks on running backs, mm-hmm. but I, like like the old regime. But, you know, you give me third, fourth, fifth round. I got I got no issue with adding a, a guy within that round to this offense, because I think it's something that they they might be needing to address. I like it. I mean, we got college football knocking on the door, right? For now, when's the uh... thing? God, college football is back this Saturday. Saturday. Let's go. Notre Dame That's taking right. on Navy in Dublin, Ireland. That's That's awesome. Wait, they're doing that early this year? Yeah, it, w- it was the, the first game Did of the year last year, too. Oh, that was last year, too. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be to have college football back. It'll be nice to have it on one of my three TVs downstairs while I watch the Vikings game. And <laughs> September 2nd, week one, is here. And I, I cannot wait. I'm excited to see what... Um, as Miles mentions, Braylon Allen, who I'll, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a fan of. I don't think he's he's totally going to translate to the NFL at all. But he's he's going into the Phil Longo offense, which instead of running power eye every five right. minutes with duo and counter and gap, wham blocks all, all over the place, it's going to be three, four, five wide running a, running a playbook that is 26 plays deep. That's it, 26 plays. They don't run a lot of a lot of the traditional stuff at Wisconsin. That's going to be fascinating. And he didn't transfer, which was surprising to me too. I heard he had yeah big big money offers from schools like USC, and I'm shocked he didn't go. Um, I also heard Michigan, which was an intriguing one, considering well they also expected Corum to leave and he came back. Yeah. So, what is Minnesota going to do with Ethan Kalik Manis? Is he going to be ready? He kind of wasn't last year, but he showed progress. And then my Florida Gators are stuck with Graham Mertz as a starting quarterback. And let me tell you, I've never been less excited to watch the Florida Gator <laughs> offense than I am this year. It's it's going to be brutal. But college football is back, and there's nothing like sitting on your couch on a Saturday and watching college football from 11 a.m. to 1.30 in the morning, and I can't wait. I'm excited. Let's uh, let's get into some football here. We're going to get into some more college football talk as well on Purple Daily on Draft. Uh, drop us a note in the comments if you want some scouting reports or how we see Vikings uh, fitting with one of these prospects and whatnot. Uh, Purple Daily on Draft every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button too for daily Vikings entertainment.
This has been Purple Daily on Draft. We'll see you next Monday.